With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Wildcat Radio. Welcome back, Wildcats, to Wildcat Radio, the most interesting podcast in your face, in your face, covering Arizona football news, Arizona basketball news, and Arizona recruiting news. This is Brian Conger. Thank you for joining us. You can follow us on Twitter at Wildcat Radio AZ, and you can subscribe to the podcast on Facebook, at uh, on Apple Podcasts, TuneIn Radio, Google Play, you name it, we are there. And we are live. We are live from the Vivid Seat Studio. If you use the promo code OVERTIME, you can get $100 off of your first ticket purchase on their app if uh, you're a first-time customer. So check that out. Maybe get, you know, like season tickets to Arizona after uh, after the Hawaii game. Um, but we did have a bounce-back game against NAU. And here to talk about this is the president, CEO, guru of the Beta Rank Advanced College Football Statistical Model, Mr. Rob Bowen. What's going on, Rob? I'm excited to be here and talk about Arizona football because uh, we're coming off a win. And even against an FCS opponent, a win feels good. 100 points scored in this game. So if you like points, <laughs> this is the game for you. <laughs> and boy, howdy, will we get into that? I'm also t- joined by Mr. Rick Denice. What's going on, Rick? What's up, fellas? Uh, happy to be talking about some positive news again. Thank gosh. So do we want to talk about the the sexier quarterback <laughs> The backup quarterback, <laughs> or do we want to talk about the starting quarterback? Rob, where, where do you want to go first? Uh, let's talk about the starting quarterback. He had a good game. He did. He did. 14 for not I mean, he did not, of course, like Gunnell, of course, like came in and stole your heart. But uh, yeah, Tate had, a good, Tate had a real good game throwing the ball around. And, and he, uh, they rolled him out a bit, and, and he excels, particularly when rolling to his right, but he even had a nice throw rolling to his left. Um, they did not have, I mean, they were able to run the ball incredibly effectively. So there was no real pressure on them to have to like in the Hawaii game to have to, um, be able to, 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 to win the game with Tate's arm. No, absolutely. And total score 65, Arizona, NEU 41. We'll talk about the defense first, but let's focus on that offense. Like you mentioned, Rob, 14 for 17, 138 yards to the air, two touchdowns, zero picks. And uh, and looked pretty good popping out of that pocket. Uh, and as you mentioned, also, Rob, a ton of rushing yards on the g- ground. Gary Brightwell, five for 141 in a touchdown. J.J. Taylor, 10 for 102 in a touchdown. Bam Smith almost got 100 yards here. Eight carries, 84 yards and a touchdown. Nathan Tilford got in. <laughs> Michael Wiley, yeah, you you get a you get a 40 yard game. You get a 40 yard game. You get a 40 yard game. Um, it just seemed like Arizona was tearing it up on the ground, which is nice to see. One of the things that we talked about, Rick, coming into this podcast is, you know, what do you expect out of a a game against an FCS opponent. And the answer was, we want to be able to stop this team. And we did on the offensive side. So that, that on that end, at least was interesting. I think if Arizona came out of this game with like 40 points, a, we would have lost, uh, but B we, have, uh, but B we would have been really, really frustrated in regards to the um, possibility of what this offense could be. But seems like Arizona's took, they did everything they could on the offensive side to make the best out of this game. 
Yeah. Did you, did you guys think that they got a lot more creative? Because when you were looking at a lot of the line play, it seemed like that they were pulling a lot more. Um, and it, it, it really created some nice holes, especially, um, you know, as they were pulling through the B and C gaps, um, you know, in that second quarter, first quarter, second quarter. So I, I, it looks like they got a little bit more creative, maybe pulled some tricks out of the bag that they might've wanted to use against Hawaii. I don't know. I'm just, I'm not an offensive coordinator, but it might've helped. Um, it, it was, just really great to see how much production we got out of that running game, which, you know, we've heard so much about through spring ball. Um, and then obviously coming through the summer, um, and how deep that rotation might be and, and guys like Bam Smith and even, you know, the infamous Nathan Tilford got in on the action and had a couple nice runs. So it was really great to see that combined with the line play, I think gives us a lot of optimism, uh, heading into Texas tech when, you know, we're going to actually have to face off another, uh, against another D one opponent. what did you think, Rob? Did we show too much? No, I don't think we showed to. I mean, I don't think you really had to. I mean, the 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 polling was interesting because Mazzoni's you know runs a zone blocking scheme um, and not a man blocking scheme. You you tend to see less you know running the power, but you know it's a nice wrinkle. And I think one of the things that you know sort of Lincoln Riley has changed about the way college football works is that um, he runs he runs a lot of power with that Oklahoma offense. And so it's nice to see that Mazzoni is you know incorporating some of that. And I think it's a good it'll it works well with what Arizona's got. Um, yeah, that, that, that all worked great. And I think that, I mean, on the offensive side of the ball, I mean, you have no complaints. I mean, they, Arizona scored every time they wanted to in the first half, whether, you know, Tate was in or Gunnell was in, it was, it was going to be points. So, um, yeah, like, like smoke, if you got them, light them up, go in the second half. I mean, they sort of took the, I was shocked. Was it, would, was everybody else shocked when Tate came out in the second half? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but I, I mean, apparently they wanted to get him some more work uh, in there. And I, I thought the wide, I mean, the, the flip of it, I thought the wide receivers were also pretty good. Um, you know, Cunningham had a pretty bad, I mean, one pretty bad drop, but he's been a bit of a revelation, particularly with the kind of wheels he's got. Um, but I thought the wide receivers were mostly pretty good. I mean, NAU's defense looked totally overmatched, so there's also that. Yeah, multiple catches from Brian Castile, like you mentioned, Tavian Cunningham. Drew Dixon got a touchdown and from a nice pass. So uh, Stanley Berryhill, Cedric Peterson, basically uh, anybody who was anybody outside of Jamari Joyner got more than one pass, uh, one, more than one reception. I'm sure Joyner will be engaged in the offense in the coming games, particularly against Texas Tech. Um, I'm, I'm just trying to think of other things to, to comment on in regards to the offense. Rick, how did you think the offensive line did in terms of just protecting the quarterback? Um, I thought they did fairly well. Um, you know, I, I think the pocket was was pretty clean for the most part. Um, there were a couple times when they they overloaded one side or the other, um, and and we had a little bit of an issue picking up with our running backs and trying to determine you know where the uh, where that blitz was coming from. But for the most part, I mean, they did well. And with a quarterback like Tate back there, um, you know, and even when uh, uh, Gannell was back there, um, those guys have enough wheels and enough um, you know game sense to to kind of feel that out and, and roll out of the pocket. So I thought they did fairly well in the pass protection and, and, uh, and did a good job with it. Rob, what else can you take away from a, an NAU team? You know, like it was good. <laughs> we, so we just recorded 12 pack radio with Max Meyer. And one of the questions he said was, you know, so, you know, Arizona, what did you guys think? And the, the, it was kind of the shruggy shoulders emojis. Like, I don't know, like, you know, we basically scored every time we touched the ball. Like, what does that mean? <laughs> you know, like it doesn't matter yeah. until you come up against a good defense. 
Well, I mean, the only thing you really wanted to see check off on the box here was that Arizona could run the football, right? Like uh, Hawaii loaded up the box um, quite a bit and sent the linebackers, you know, into plug gaps. Uh, and they, they were willing to let Khalil Tate, you know, crank it back and throw deep. And they were, you know, they figured there'd be enough incompletions in there to, to you know, maybe slow down some drives, um, even if they were giving up some big chunk plays. And it, it kind of worked. And Arizona did not. They went away from running the ball, as you do when someone loads up the box. But uh, against NAU, even if they load up the box, you know, you expect Arizona to be able to show up and run the football. And they did. And, and that's, I mean, that's that's about as much of a box. I mean, on offense, like, there's not a box they really didn't check and, you know, uh, that you had come into this game. So, um, I don't know. Other than that, you know, you feel, you feel good. You feel like, you, you know, they, they, you feel good coming out of this game, but you don't, I don't think you can come away saying, uh, you know, you shouldn't come away expecting this kind of thing. I mean, they're, this, they're going to have to work for it against some of the other teams. They're going to be on the schedule this season, but yeah. Br- Brian, I think there's one thing for Arizona fans that you can take away from at least the offensive side of the ball. And that is, I think, the amount of young talent that was on display last night. And and again, you know, young talent can be inconsistent at times. And I think you see a little bit of that, especially, um, you know, even with a guy like Cunningham coming from the the Juco ranks out of Sac City. um, You know, there's still some polishing to do, um, even with, you know, a junior coming from the JC level. But um, there's a lot of lot of young talent, um, you know, from the wide receiver core um, from the running back core and um, especially with Gunnell um, I you know I think Arizona fans um, you know got their first look if if you haven't heard about him now you know um, you know he's a a pro prospect through and through and uh, he is going to be I think a really good one um, when uh, he moves in next year the one other thing that I forgot to mention was that we had Jordan Morgan sighting at the tight end and Rob you know how I love me some tight ends Dude, that guy is going to be a tackle. Like he was. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably true. Um, no, I mean, I think what's what's I mean, and Williams, um, you know, uh, Michael Love called out his blocking, you know, um, coming in and playing tight end, filling in for uh, you know the injured tight end that they had, Walma, uh, in this game. And uh, what I liked to to hit on Gunnell. I, I mean, I, I, I am a big believer. One of the things that you, you remember, Rich, every time they played USC, Rich Rod's motivational tactic would be like, raise your hand if you had a USC offer. Um, and usually the only person that would would be like Khalil Tate, who I think they offered as a defensive back. Um, there's a couple guys just in this last recruiting class that were three stars that had, you know, USC offers. You know, Christian Roland Wallace, USC went after pretty hard. Jordan Morgan is a guy that uh, USC also went after. Um, there's, there's some better talent on this team that I, I, I think than Rich Rod brought in. Um, even if it is just, you know, doing a better job identifying which three stars are, are really going to, you know, maybe play at this level. And, um, Gunnell, my goodness, I mean, his ability to, to, I mean, command the offense. Like, I mean, and that's what in a Noel Mazzoni offense, you need to be able to, um, find the check downs. And it's one of the main complaints we have about Tate very often and, Oh my goodness, he 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 made it through his progressions, and for a freshman to be able to come in and do that, um, it's kind of amazing where freshmen are coming in. I mean, he spent the spring at Arizona, but you know, coming out of a, a Texas wide open spread offense, playing a lot of seven on seven, um, he really got through his reads pretty well. You know, a lot of Arizona fans will throw a lot of darts 
at Noel Mazzoni in regards uh, to his offensive system and is he the right person here and all that stuff. And it's interesting when we talk with really smart football people outside of Arizona, um, the number one question we get is, you know, is Tate like the right person for this offense? And I know there's there's some Arizona fans that say that, too, but it is so glaringly obvious for people that aren't part of the Arizona football like fan base <laughs> to say, you know, I don't think uh, Khalil Tate really is the, the guy for this offense, y'all. Um, and, you know, the answer usually is yes, that if you are right. But he is um, he does have a, a really unique skill set. And last year there was nobody that was close to that skill set. And so he was the quarterback and what he was able to do under Rich Rodriguez, of course uh, we've already talked about in 2017 but uh, yeah you're right the fact that there's a quarterback that can command the offense as a true freshman and come in against a bad team but still be able to show what he can do is very promising for the future and i think it puts a little bit of pressure on khalil tate right rick yeah absolutely and and i think when you look at khalil tate i think the issue has always been just consistency and consistent uh decision making and and i think if 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 uh any of the listeners out there had a chance to watch the lsu uh texas game uh, on saturday night with joe burrow just carving up the uh texas defense you know i i think that's what you're looking at as a premier signal caller you need a guy that can fit it into tight windows and make the right decisions um especially when the game's on the line. And I think that's kind of been, um, you know, to some extent, our biggest gripe with Khalil over the last year and a half, two years since he came on the scene is, you know, when are we going to see the the level of consistency that we need to against, you know, NAU and then going against, you know, Washington State or, or USC. So I, I think it really does push him. And, and you know, it just it, it should give Arizona fans a lot of confidence that if we do run in the same issue where Khalil gets banged up again, that, you know, we could ride or die with uh, with Gunnell and and probably have a very, very um, serviceable quarterback that could uh, could march us down the field. So um, I'm pretty optimistic, especially with what I saw last night. Okay. Anything else on the offense, Rob, before we switch to the glare, the ginormous elephant <laughs> in this room that is squeezing me up against the door? I mean, there's and I, I think that. Um, I, I think that there are some Arizona fans who've already given up on Kevin Sumlin. Um, there's some Arizona fans who've already given up on Noah Mazzoni. But I think when you look across like this young wide receiver core, the, the stable of backs they got put together, if they can, you know, if they can, if we can reach a point where we're not having to bring in two JUCO players to plug in on the offensive line to cover up for Rich Rod's recruiting failings again, like I think that this offense could be going somewhere because we haven't even seen Booby Curry yet. I mean, he he's dealing with a lingering fall camp injury. I mean, he's he was really the jewel of this class. Um, and he, he wasn't even on the field. So I, I, I think that there's still talent yet to see. And I'm excited about what I have seen so far. I'm waiting for him to become the true, you know, senior laden leader so we can call him Brest Von Curry. That, that is that is the goal. It's for so that you, 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 can <laughs> call. Don't, don't make this weak. Oh, <laughs> uh, come on, movie, get out there, get out there and, uh, and show us what you can do. All right, all right. Let's talk about the defense here. 41 points from NAU. There is an asterisk here. And I think we have been very clear on this podcast for a number of years that we are not fans of Marcel Yates. We think there should be a change. And we called for this like uh, between a year and a half and two years ago, depending on which host you talk to. Um, I mean, I, Rob, I think you were the first one on the train. I came in a couple, couple weeks later and Rick, I think you're about the same timeline as me. So, um, we, 
we're not fans. That's where we're coming from. Um, with that said, there was a lot of different personnel. You could tell that they were just tooling around and, and throwing people in and kind of see what people could do. So, um, I'm not, I'm worried, you know, if, if you would have said NAU scores 40 points uh, and Arizona tooled around a little bit, does that make you worried before this game? <laughs> My answer would have been an emphatic yes. And it still is, but, but there is an asterisk there. So, um, what let's, let's go with you, Rob, you, um, you see, you see an FCS team be able to throw for 373 yards, but at least we were able to hold the running game, you know, below 75. I'm not even going to ask you to give us positives. Just, just tell, just tell me what you think. Just give it to I us. Mean, do you, you want to? Is that is that going to help you sleep at night? <laughs> we, held, we held NAU's rushing offense under 100 yards, like. Put let's put that let's like let's put that in big letters in Arizona Stadium like right next to the I, ring of honor. We don't have many banners to I hang mean, anyway there, so we might as well. Guys, you know. guys, in all fairness, and I'm going to play devil's advocate here. They did have 27 rushing attempts, which is quite a quite a bit. So 69 yeah. yards on 27 rushing attempts is is fairly good, especially when you don't have starters in there in the second half. Maybe and, and Case Cookus is not. I mean, Case Cookus is a decent quarterback. I mean, like they're they're yeah. definitely. There are definitely times when, uh, you know, you think like, hey, like this guy, this guy should have transferred, you know, to, to go play somewhere and in, in, uh, at the FBS level. But I think what's telling and look, I mean, look, most of the points came in the second half. Um, the second half has a it's a mixed bag. Tony Fields was playing, you know, at points in the fourth quarter. Um, you know, there, there were also points in the first half where you had, you know, backups you know and reserve players in um but even then in the in the first half arizona still gave up 13 points to an fcs team you you may say oh it's only 13 points but just double that like i mean 26 points against an fcs team looks looks kind of bad for a defense um and they it could have been worse i mean the nau second drive which ended in interception was nine plays for 50 yards then the next next possession they had that they, they scored a touchdown they went eight plays 75 um you know they they had another their their next you know time they scored was a seven play 67 yard field goal drive um their last before the half was a was an eight play 40 49 yard drive i mean this is even against arizona's you want to say you know starters and you know backups uh in the first half they were moving the ball reasonably effectively. And I, I thought in this game, they, Arizona really needed to hold NAU over the total of the game. And, and you should, you really should be able to, even with your backups. I don't care. You can say these guys are never going to see the field. Like it just shows, I think where, where I think we still are in um, rebuilding the roster on defense in particular that, you know, they're, they, they, they were not able, they would not have held these, these guys under, under 20 points. Um, almost no matter what. Um, and then, you know, you get, you get kind of the mixed bag of reserves in the second half, like, man, NAU just torched them. Um, and I don't know. I mean, like they, they struggled to, did anybody feel like the defensive line, even when you had the starters in there was doing a real bang up job. I didn't, I mean, a, a lot of those short throws, you know, that I, I, you could say like they got more pressure on the quarterback, but Cookus was still able to get the ball out consistently because the you know the the defensive backs were back in coverage you know like they, they, they were giving too much cushion again but even on those short throws like the defensive lines got to get their hands up and they don't and I, it's just it's just bad coaching 
you know, and they're still taking, it was the same thing as the Hawaii game. I mean, the ends, your edge rushers, they're all taking a real long around the edge, trying to, you know, run, basically run a long circle around the tackles. Uh, but it takes them forever to get there. There's no inside moves. I just, I don't know. I mean, it's, it was rough. None of it, none of it, none of it was great. I, now, you could take away, you know, 30 some odd, you know, almost 30 points in the second half and say, you know, some of those don't count. You know, I think at least 13 of them probably count. But was that Rick? No, I was just I was just going to say, you know, one one point Rob made um, about our ends. The other thing you can look at, too, is, um, you know, pad height, um, especially in the line of scrimmage. And um, those guys, you know, half the time, you know, they're down in the dirt um, and they've got either a good bull rush, but there's really no secondary moves. And then, um, you know, there's there's a couple times I saw where you basically just have an offensive tackle getting up underneath them and either pancaking them or just stonewalling them um, because of their their pad levels so it, it seems like that's something that obviously needs to be keyed in on and and they need to take a look at um you know the 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 other point that i was going to make outside of what rob said is you know i think there's two things that really drive me crazy the first is that our defense is playing like they're um you know at the ymca playing rec ball um you know and talking uh smack to you know the other team and you know you you look at guys like christian young and darian clark last night that both got ejected um, for personal fouls for just talking and doing stuff after making a play or not making a play or having somebody else make a play. Just act like you've been there before. You know, if you watch Ohio State smack these teams around, um, you know, you don't see anybody um, really, you know, I guess jumping around, you know, doing what they need to do. And, and um, you know, and, and, and they're having fun, but they're not overly celebrating. You know, a lot of these guys, you know, it seems like that they just need to grow up. And from a discipline standpoint, you know, I think with Kevin Sumlin, he stated in his uh, post game press conference, that's a big thing for them still. And, and something that, you know, I'm hoping that they work on. So, you know, there's a lot of, I think youth and I think a lot of, um, you know, learning lessons to be had, but you know, at the end of the day, the, the amount of penalties that we had, um, I think, you know, when looking at our, our penalties, we we're, um, 127 yards total, 11 <laughs> penalties. And that follows up from what Hawaii, um, I think we had 11 or 12 against Hawaii. I mean, and most of these are coming off the defensive side of the ball. I mean, we gave them um, at least three first downs, um, I think when it was third down in that first half. And I mean, that's just unacceptable. Um, you know, again, act like you've been there, um, go do your job and then get off the field. And I would add that this is not, it, it's not a big ask for Arizona's defense to be decent. And a perfect example is Cal. It's Cal. Like we just, we just talked about Cal and how they've been able to, you know, they won the game at Washington uh, because of their defense. And what happened was Justin Wilcox went out and made a really smart defensive coordinator hire. And Justin Wilcox is a smart defensive coach uh, in the first place. And what they were able to do is put together and build out of basically nothing, a like a smart, strong, disciplined defense. You watch that Cal defense play. And these are players that Arizona can recruit, by the way. Um, You watch that Cal defense play. They play hard from the moment that snap happens. And right 
right when the, the thing that really stood out for me, right when that whistle blows, and this goes right to what you're saying, Rick, they, they disengage. And you have somebody like Evan Weaver, who is a monster. That guy had 17 tackles, two sacks, 18, 18 was all over the field. That guy has a motor and is nasty. And the minute that, the minute that whistle blows, he lets go and taps the guy that he was just destroying on the butt. Hey, good game. Like, I mean, it is, uh, it, it shows you what can happen if you have good coaching, and we just do not have that right now. And it is, it is quite frustrating because you, know, you get all these people say, oh, it's Arizona football, and like, what can we be, and all that stuff. And that's all true, but you can have a well-disciplined uh, defense and, and players that are out there that know when to, when to engage, when to disengage, and when not to blow their horn when they got their head handed to them by Hawaii um, two weeks prior. So <laughs> playing right into what you're saying, Rick, drives me nuts because this is something that is attainable at this school. What do you think, Rob? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I I think when it, it's fine to say like, look, like I don't think anyone's coming into this with the expectation that <clears throat> Arizona goes out and wins the Rose Bowl consistently. Like yeah. that's that's probably going to be tough in a, in a Pac-12 where you also have other powers and things like that. But if the expectation is that Arizona field a Power Five level defense, like that's that's not crazy, and we're, we've been way off from that. Um, and that Arizona be able to recruit power five level players. And I, I don't look some of its coaching um, for sure. But Arizona is also just not not done a good job of developing players too, like the of identifying the right players to bring in and then developing those players. And um, I don't know. I mean, this this defense, I mean, here's a question that I have. And, and uh, I do want to I feel like we hit on it a little bit with, you know, talking about how it's just, we did have one listener question that I wanted to hit on real quick. But did anyone did anyone notice that the defense's tackles did anything particularly good again? No, nope. I mean, that, that, like that's a, they, they were stonewalled in that Hawaii game. And it felt like, again, like you could just it felt like the exact same pass rush. Like I have two defensive tackles, like just. Getting totally stonewalled by three guys in the middle of the field, and then I have two ends, two edge rushers, just taking like the longest possible circle around to try to get to the QB. Oh, it's just so frustrating. And we had talked about the fact that the defensive line coach was we thought was a pretty solid hire in the first year, but it, it is looking increasingly as if that might not be the case, particularly because of all like, look, we knew that the middle of that line was going to be a problem and uh, had been talking about that for a very long time, yeah. but the edges, right. You have like Jalen Harris and you have JB Brown and you have um, even Wilborn behind them. Like there, there are some pieces there that if you have a good coach and you have a good scheme and you're able to teach and develop talent um, shouldn't be as much of a problem. And I, yeah, I have not seen the, the progress there. I'm hoping that it happens. I don't think it's going to happen when we play Texas Tech, though, Rick. I don't think so either. One and and you know to be interesting to see, I guess what adjustments are made, um, you know, between NAU and Texas Tech, and and kind of compare those to the adjustments that it looks like were made between Hawaii um, and NAU. And and I think when you look at the scheme, you know, again, I, I the, the thing that really drives me crazy is just how conservative things are at times. And I think Rob touched on it earlier, which is the amount of cushion that our, our cornerbacks, you know, pretty much give, um, on a, you know, on, on any given play, um, within a set series. Um, and I, I honestly believe that we have good enough cornerbacks and I'm hoping that we've developed good enough cornerbacks where you can kind of leave those guys on an Island and expect some safety help over the, over the top and, and get the job done. And at this point, you know, I'm, I'm hoping that we see, you know, a little bit more aggressiveness. I'm hoping that maybe we see a little bit 
bit more stunting that that um, is a little bit more aggressive, a little bit quicker um, on the line. And, and you know, Colin Schooler obviously not being in the entire second half, um, you know, and, and a lot of those backups playing. I think it's hard to determine on the line, you know, just where the depth sits. But um, I think I think Texas Tech is going to be a really good measuring point or measuring stick to see where we stack up in the in the Pac-12, because, you know, you look at Colorado and they had a big win over Nebraska. You look at a team like USC and, you know, Utah is good. I mean, you know, realistically, um, you know, there's there's I think a lot of openness, but I think there's a lot of tough games coming up and, you know, it's going to be a really good barometer for where we're at. Yeah, it seems like the offense and and Rob, let's get to the Texas Tech game here um, real fast because Ronnie and Adam will break this down. They'll talk about all the players on Texas Tech and who to look out for and all that stuff. But um, I'm curious to see what your numbers say on Texas Tech and Arizona because, um, you know, we, we just dumped on the defense again. I, I, but I do think that's fair, and it's uh, it's kind of hard not to, <laughs> you know, after so many years. But the offense seems like it's in a good spot, and it's moving, you know, with all the, the, the problems that we had last year. It seems like it's sailing in the right direction. It may not be perfect. There's going to be issues. Tate's going to make some mistakes. But at the end of the day, it's probably if you were to tell us, like, all right, here's where we are um, for Arizona. Now, granted, Hawaii's defense, not great. Uh, NAU's defense terrible, but I'm assuming that we're going to put up a decent number of points and all of the pieces that we can possibly get from these first two games do indicate that there will be able to put points up on the board against most teams in the Pac-12. So where is our offense? Where is our defense uh, as we go into this next week? Well, the 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 offense is actually in a pretty good place. Um, they're number they're grading out at number 28, and some of that clearly like I'm going to toss the FCS games after the next week. But a lot of Arizona's grade is coming from that game against Hawaii. And you may be saying like a lot of Arizona's fans came out of that Hawaii game frustrated, but the reality was Arizona's defense was so bad. Arizona's offense almost always had a long field. Even when Arizona, you know, defense turned the ball over, it was almost always on Arizona's side of the field. So, you know, they had a long way to go there. They, Hawaii, you know, set up to take away the run, Tate does like to throw deep passes, you know, like there was going to be some inefficiency there, but they, they, they did better than Oregon state's offense against uh, Hawaii. And you know, the, the, the measuring stick that they're using is sort of that Oregon state against Hawaii, Oregon state against Oklahoma state, and then Arizona against uh, NAU. They, they, you know, the offense is pretty good. They're, they've got some things to work on, some things to improve, but the offense has been climbing this season from where they started out in the projection model. The defense has been doing nothing but fall, and they grade out at number one sixteen. And so the, the the other thing is the model. Like I do keep track of you know like what's the score in the game, and I weight accordingly. So you know there is a, there is a there is a notion of garbage time in there. But one sixteen is really bad. This defense is, has has regressed even from where they were last season. Um, there's a lot of trouble there, but some sneaky other trouble for Arizona is the special teams have been really, really bad. Um, and they're at 127. So if, if, if you look at it, you know, like Arizona, it looks, it looks like when you look at this, that Arizona's offense may make you mad. It may make you want to pull out your hair, but they also are not getting set up by the defense and not getting set up by the special teams in the best of circumstances. What, um, can you split out the defense in terms of pass defense and rush defense? Let me get all the way down to 116. Hold on. <laughs> I gotta scroll down a bit. I was looking at Texas Tech's defense. So, uh, 
I mean, and if you want to, like, one of Arizona's main problems is is that they they're they grade out number one twenty nine in explosive drives. Like Arizona just gives up big plays. They're at one eleven in negative drives. Like they they struggle to get off the field and force three and outs. But they are at one oh eight against the rush and one seventeen against the pass. Ooh, buddy. Hey, like one thing, and, and let's get into Texas Tech's numbers real fast, but if you're a Wildcat Radio fan and you haven't checked out our new website, which is sharpcollegefootball.com, all of Rob's numbers are on there, and now that SMP is behind a paywall, like Rob's model is good, and that's why we brought Rob onto Wildcat Radio. Like His stuff is very, very helpful, and we have more tools on our site than um, than SMP had, <laughs> you know, than Bill Connolly had uh, at SB Nation. Like, I think we I think we have Rob at a really good time where um, the numbers make sense. They're well thought out. Like he's he's an econometric whatever it's called whatever you call yourself. Or like he's econometric. I, I, my, <laughs> my job title is like data scientist. It's a little silly, but like I, the one I the one if anybody asks me like what do you do? It's like I'm an econometrician. Like my background is in economics. That's what I did my graduate work in. Yeah, like it's it's a legit model using like the actual data from the college football playoff that they use uh, to make their decisions. Check it out. It's, it's good. So uh, with that said, what, what does Texas tech look like? So Texas tech is interesting. They come in uh, into this game and, and they've been improving a little bit uh, as the season goes on. So they're at number 44. They've climbed up from, I believe at number 59 uh, in the projection model. Um, they're favored in this game. Uh, uh, beta, I mean, both in Vegas and in Beta Rank. Beta Rank actually has them in a bigger favorite, almost eight points, seven point seven eight points. Arizona's only got a twenty one percent win probability in this game, um, which is not to say. And, and people often come back and like try to dunk on me. They're like, "Hey, like you only said Arizona or you know whatever team had like a you know a thirty three percent chance to win the game." And I retort with. Things that happen a third of the time happen all the time. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But the uh, Texas Tech, it's interesting because their offense is not – everybody thinks that this is sort of an offense first team. The offense is grading out okay. They're number 49. Um, They're definitely more pass first. They're number 30 in effective pass. They're number 74 in effective rush. They do have – uh, Utah's former backup running back Armand Shine, yeah, uh, at Texas Tech, who's a bit of a bruiser, and we saw last year can run the ball, but they don't use him a lot. Um, they blanked UTEP pretty badly last week. Um, UTEP is not at all a good football team, so I would not read too too much into that. But the defense has been playing a little better than expected, and and some of that is that um, I think we expected last year that King. I mean, part of the reason Cliff Kingsbury got fired is because. He just could never get the defense going. Currently, they're grading out at number 29. Um, that is, they're not great at drive efficiency. So, if you can, um, you know, put together long drives and, and, and you know, be efficient and, and not throw incomplete passes, um, they grade out at 70 there. But where they, the main difference has been um, versus prior defenses is, is they're better so far at complaining containing explosive drives and my model does you know this is this is adjusted for opponent now this is limited data and it's still weighted by what we knew in the preseason Um, but they're 25 against explosive drives um, and they're number 11 uh, actually at um, negative drives so they force a good number of three and outs Um, they're 29 against the run 27 against the pass that said 
uh, Arizona is going to be a stiff test for them. Uh, I mean, this, this Arizona team is, is going to be more dynamic than anyone they faced so far this season. So, um, I think we're going to learn a lot about where this Texas tech defense and offense really are in this game, but, um, both Vegas and, and beta rank like, uh, the red Raiders here. Okay, Rick, I'm going to give you the last word, but I have a question for you. A little trivia time too. There's another PAC 12 transfer that we will see on the field on Texas Tech's offense, and he came from Oregon State. You want to guess who it is? Oh man, what 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 uh, position group? Uh, he was at quarterback. He is now not playing quarterback. <laughs> um, man, this is going to be tough. I don't know. You're gonna have to. You're gonna have to help me out here. All right, former starting quarterback at Oregon State, Seth Collins, is a wide receiver oh. for Texas Tech. <laughs> Seth Collins, look at Whoa. that! <laughs> I dug deep into the well. <laughs> yeah, seriously, man. The Pac-12 is running uh, running hard with Texas Tech, huh? Absolutely. Holy smokes. <laughs> um, you know, Texas Tech is Alan Bowman who is, is a, a quite, quite a good quarterback and some decent offensive players there. Um, good coaching staff, Rick. What are you looking for in Arizona? Are you expecting a win? And, and if and, and in addition to that, what, what are some pieces that you'd like to see in regards to progress, regardless of if Arizona comes out with the W? Yeah, I think I think what you're looking at if you're an Arizona fan is um, both how the offense performs in third down situations and how the defense performs in third down situations. And I think that'll really be um, telling of how or indicative of how this game will will turn out for for either team. Um, I think I think when you look at uh, the traditional weakness that we have, you know, you really have a, a, an issue getting off the field on third down. And, um, you know, I I think that, you know, when you're looking at Texas Tech, their third down efficiency is just about 50%. So it's actually 55.17. So, you know, they're 16 for 29. So I, I think that that a true test to see how Arizona does is to limit the explosive plays, as Rob mentioned earlier, um, you know, how they're going to do on third down. And then offensively, you know, can they keep keep rolling um, downhill? I think, you know, from an offensive standpoint, that running game sets up the passing game, especially with, with Khalil Tate out there in that read option. Um, and it, it really, um, it really, I think will, uh, you know, be indicative of, of, you know, the way, the way that Arizona starts and the way that Arizona plays in that first quarter will probably be, um, either the nail in the coffin for them, or, you know, we could see them really break out and have a great game against Texas tech. So I look at Texas tech and they, you know, they played UTEP, they played uh, Montana state. Um, you know, I mean, two teams that, you know, quite frankly are probably lower group of five, um, you know, uh, opponents, but at the end of the day, I think, um, you know, Texas tech with, you know, regime change as well has some uncertainty, um, that, that they're going to have to work through playing an opponent that's, you know, quite a bit better than, than the two, the first two games. So, um, I would say, you know, I will take Texas tech, um, but it's going to be closer than that spread. So I would say Texas tech almost minus three right now. Um, and I, and, you know, I'm hoping that Arizona comes out and is efficient, but, um, you know, I see Texas Tech, you know, eventually pulling it out at the end. All right. Well, you can always do a happiness hedge. You can always do a happiness hedge if you want to take. We do have to answer. We did get a listener question, and it was how many points in that NAU game would you put on the starters? Which is hard to do because it was a mixed bag of players on the field at any given time. I personally, I would put, I'd put 20 points on the starters. Exactly. Yeah. I don't know. (laughs) 
<laughs> I mean, it's so hard to tell, but I mean, no, that, you know, and, you know, and that's a wall. And that's a good question. I mean, that that is a good question. Okay, yeah, twenty twenty sounds about right. I I thought you were seeing a heavy rotation middle to late of that second quarter. Even um, I mean, you were starting to see. A, a lot of, especially that secondary, be you know interchanged, and they were still playing with the starters, but they'd line up a starter and then a second stringer or a third stringer yeah. um, on the other side. Okay, uh, all right, that's I don't good. Know. Well, send, like, and send us more questions. Uh, Rob is running the Wildcat Radio Twitter account. You can uh, send those questions there. You can also send them to our. Hmm. Just send them to Rob. <laughs> <laughs> just send them to Rob. <laughs> just send them. Just send them on Twitter because if I have to go check some email account that Bryant set up sometime back in the aughts, like it's just not. <laughs> um, well, we have more more stuff uh, for you. We have our contest updates. We have a full breakdown of the Pac-12 uh, Week Two schedule and previewing uh, Pac-12 Week Three. Um, and we're going to do it right after this commercial break. The other thing is, make sure to tune in to Ronnie and Adam. I thought they did a really good job of highlighting the players. To, to pay attention to on NAU and they're going to do the same thing for Texas Tech so they'll do a full breakdown of that game um, likely Wednesday or Thursday so definitely tune in we're, we're going to continue recording twice a week and uh, and we'll catch you right after this break Hey it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City Go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda You never have to miss a trip ever again So download the Priceline app today Your savings are waiting Go to your happy place For a happy price Go to your happy price Priceline so again, we are the home of the original um, Pac-12 Eliminator Pool contest, and we had about 50 entries. And each year, we go through and I name all of the people that lost uh, from the that got eliminated from the Eliminator Pool. And UCLA man torched a number of people, uh, way too many, by the way. I, how do you listen to this podcast and pick UCLA? I have no idea, but but God bless you. So, um, in memory of those that are departed, here are the following folks that have been eliminated. Jack's complete lack of surprise. Doug734. Luis Garcia. Clairvoyant68. Mike winning bigly. Travis Gordon. Bear down Steve, who I warned in my email not to take UCLA. Gimme Mo Keach. Tom Stack. Scobuffs. Brian Robles. And Ryan Bates. Sleep well, sweet princes. Hey, um, can I get some Pac-12 gambling advice up in here? Is William Shatner? You want it? Pac-12 gambling lines? You got it. Nice. You want it? Baby. Just bust a move. Okay. All right, all right. Here we go. Week three. We're really getting into some fun games. I thought the lines that were set for some of these games have been totally crazy town. So really, really excited to start uh, delving into them. And let's guys start with um, let's start with Arizona State, Michigan State, because we've been talking about this game for three weeks. Um, One o'clock p.m. Arizona State goes 
all the way up to East Lansing to take on one of the nastiest front seven uh, defensive defensive lines and linebacking cores in the entire country. And Rob, you have just been chomping at the bit to talk about this one. So the, the world is your oyster. <laughs> I watched some of that Arizona state Sacramento state game. Cause it was Friday night and I was trying to do some coding. Um, and it was, it was on and it was pac 12 and Oh my gosh, Arizona state's offensive line is extremely bad at football. Um, Sacramento state looked like an excellent power five defense. They got, they got through, they took down, I mean, they shut, they really shut down Arizona state's running game. Um, Daniels faced pressure um, from their blitz packages. I mean, Sacramento state just made them look silly um, in that game and Michigan state, they do replace some of uh, they do replace some of the back end on that defense, but they bring back, I mean, if not, I mean, outside of Utah, I would say probably the best defensive line or Auburn, the best defensive line in, in college football. Um, I just, this and Michigan state's rolling in the model right now too. Like they're up to number 13 in the model um, this week, Arizona state sitting at 47, um. Yeah this this game just looks ugly. I mean, I, and Michigan State they they had a terrible they had a great defense last season. They had a terrible offense, and it, it, they they look a little bit like Cal this season, where their their offense has kind of rebounded to where you they're at least like a bad Power Five offense. Um, if you combine that with you know a very good defense with the defensive line that can get into your backfield, that's trouble. And this game could be a lot of trouble, despite that. I mean, at times in that uh, game against Sacramento state, like Arizona state's skill position talent really was able to show out. Um, but the other part, I mean, Arizona state's defense didn't always look great against, I mean, they were able to slow them down eventually, but Sacramento state put up more yards than I was expecting. Um, and also Troy Taylor looked like a far different person without Kyle Whittingham as his boss. <laughs> yeah. The final <laughs> score of that game, ASU 19 Sacramento state seven, the one, the one saving grace for ASU was the fact that they did have a, t- this game should have been a little higher in terms of their point total. There was a fumble on like the one yard line, but still like they slogged to get those points. And I uh, just Jaden Daniels against, this defensive scheme um we will definitely dive into some of these players to keep a lookout for but max the line right now is 10 and a half and it seemed like it opened at seven i'm gonna have to take a look to see where it actually opened at seven because i saw that and went oh my gosh where can i get that immediately like i i will i will sell my car right now to get money on that game um uh, but 10 and a half it, bu- it bumped up a little bit still like it just seems actually, it's, up, it's up to 12 oh my gosh um is that, is that too many points? What do you think about what do you think about this matchup? So, I mean, like Rob was saying, Michigan State does have one of the best defensive lines in the country. They have Evan Weaver, Midwest, and Joe Bacci at inside linebacker. Like their their deep their front seven is incredible. And Arizona State's offensive line, uh, like you were saying, in Sacramento State. I mean, it, it's been it's been rough this season. I mean, in week one, they were the only team to start a true freshman at center because they had to replace. Uh, Cade Cote or Cote, however you pronounce his last name, because he, he suffered a broken foot. So they, they have a true freshman at center and they have a true freshman at quarterback. And, and actually um, the true freshman center, Donovan West, he, he had a bad, he had a couple bad snaps, including one in the red zone that uh, on third and goal from the five that, that forced Arizona to kick a uh, Arizona state to kick a field goal. Um, I think I'm actually really interested in the under in this game, just because, um, Arizona state might have the best 
weapon in the country and punter Michael Turk. He yeah. has been sensational this year. Um, and I, he averaged 63 yards on his punts in week one. Uh, last, the last game against Sacramento state, uh, he, four of his five punts were inside the 20 and his fifth was a 58 yarder from his own 24. So this guy is a field flipping field position machine. And I, I, Arizona state's defense. Um, I think it's going to, I think it's going to be improved from last year just because they were really young last year and they haven't given up. I mean, granted uh, the competition hasn't been great, but they really haven't given up that many big plays. So I'm really interested to see how they fare against Michigan state, but I'm, I'm not sure I really trust Michigan state's rushing attack. Um, they actually had one player who exploded against Western Michigan, but again, Tulsa, I think they averaged like 2.5 rushing yards per carry as a team. So I'm not really sure how much I trust that. And Brian Lewerke, like he, he faded down the stretch just because he wasn't healthy, but I just, I, I just see a, a low scoring game in this one. So I think Michigan state is the much better team. If it gets up to 14, I feel like I, I'm going to have to take Arizona state because I, I just, it's kind of like Cal, not exactly like Cal Washington to me, but kind of a similar logic in that I, I see like a 21, 10 type of game. And, and I, I can't lay 14 points if I think it's going to be that low scoring. I could totally see that. You know, you have, I I'm still a believer to some extent in ASU's defense being not terrible this year. And when you combine that with the fact that Michigan state, like you mentioned, Rob, um, maybe their offense is better, but it's not great. They do have a new offensive no, coordinator, not. you know, Brian Lewerke comes back um, and he'll be able to move the ball a decent amount, but I like that idea on the ender. So we'll, we'll definitely flag that one of the couple players just to look out for though, because, Oh my gosh, Jaden Daniels will be running for his life. Like he will need to be very fast and he will need to eat his Wheaties because he is 175 pounds on that field running away from, you know, players like Raquan Williams, who is a defensive tackle who had 10 and a half tackles for a loss, five pass breakups, 53 tackles. That is a big, big man that should not be having those numbers. Another guy named, I think his name is Kenny Wilkes or Wilkes, um, 78 tackles. He had a defensive end, 20 and a half tackles for a loss, 12 quarterback carries, uh, hurries last year. I mean, these guys guys are going to be all up in his grill and uh, I, I just uh, light a candle for him. Um, I, we've been talking about this game for the last three weeks. I know that the line has popped to 12. I'm still going to take Michigan state. I just don't see a scenario where um, ASU is going to be able to score uh, a ton of points. And I think that they'll be able to score enough to pull away from Michigan state. Uh, who did I hear you take Max? Like, uh, I, I I'm waiting. I think that this game actually gets to 14 and if it gets to 14, I would take Arizona state for now. Mm, I don't know. It, it's, it's a tough one. I'd probably have to do some more research, but obviously there's the revenge angle and that uh, Arizona state upset Michigan state last year. Um, one other, one other note that I thought was interesting when uh, doing some quick research on this game, Arizona state actually leads the country in forced fumbles but they've only, they've forced 10 fumbles on the season, but they've only recovered three of them. And that 30% fumble recovery rate is tied for 97. So maybe they'll have some fumble luck in the, more fumble luck in this game. Um, uh, I, I just think I, I, mm, I'll, I'll, I'll begrudgingly go Arizona state here. I don't really like it though. It's tough because, uh, so it's funny because like on this podcast, I think I'm nine and six against the spread in real life. I'm eight and two because like you mentioned, Max, the, the numbers are going to pop one way or the other. So a good example being last week, 
Hawaii opened minus three that moved up to minus seven. And like that seven number is really important. <laughs> like taking uh, Oregon state as a seven point dog sounded quite delicious. So um, th- things do move. So uh, we'll definitely flag that. And I've been trying to tweet this stuff out on 12 pack radio, which is where you can follow us on Twitter. Uh, Rob, where, who are you going to take? So beta rank scouted right now that uh, Michigan state has a 77% win probability in this game. And they're a, about a seven, 7.22 favorite uh, in the game, seven points. So I, I'm going to take Arizona State as long. Max has a good point on the punt. Like I don't on the punter. I don't. I don't trust this, this Michigan State offense. I mean, last year they were in the 120s. They are in the 80s right now. Um, they're at 82. That I don't trust them to be able to drive. You know, and to be able to convert on a long field. Um, that said, you know, if if Daniels turns the ball over, then you know, Michigan state could win by 21. So that if, if, as long as the turnovers stay about the same, like I, I expect this to, you know, to be about, you know, under 10 points for a Michigan state win. Okay. So you're, t- you're going with, you're going with Arizona state. Yeah. I mean, Michigan state should win the game, but I think Arizona state keeps it cl- like, it's just the, both of these teams like to limit the number of drives. Um, that's going to keep scores down and keep the distance between the teams low. Yeah. You guys are making too much sense. I might have to revise. I may have to go back and revisit this one. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> let's give our friends in the I pool. Believe, I also believe Herm, uh, I also believe Herm Edwards once said, you play to cover the game. Got to go with the fight in Herm. <laughs> we are, we are after, after that Sacramento game, we are moderately firm for Herm on this podcast. Not fully firm that right now. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> we'll have to wait until this next game. Um, let's give our friends in the Palouse some love here. We've been talking about USC and some other teams. Let's talk about Washington State. A seven-point favorite on the road at Houston. Uh, Washington State beat the Tar out of Northern Colorado, 59-17. to um, That offense continues to hum. Max Borgi is very good. Uh, their new quarterback, Gordon, they got there. Very good, at least for now, but not against great competition. They've had two warm-up games. Now they have a real team in Houston. Rob, I'm really curious in the numbers because I want to take Houston going into this portion of the podcast. And then I did my own research on, on Houston's defense and it seems like their secondary sucks, like sucks. And I just can't, uh, I'm really worried about whether or not Washington state is going to just run up that score in the passing game. If they're not able to catch up with those wide receivers. Cause right now Gordon looks quite accurate. So what do the numbers say? So right now Washington state is a, hold on a second. Sorry. I just had it there. They have a 68% chance to win the game. Um, they are roughly 4.94. So a five point favorite. Uh, so not quite seven points. Uh, I still like Washington state's defense. And I I'll say it again this year. Like they're not very good. <laughs> so, um, they usually, they, they look better than they are because they usually have a long field because the offense is so good. Um, and the offense is clicking again this year. They grade out at number 12. The defense is at number 82, uh, I'm looking for Houston's defense right now. It's not very good as I get down here. So they grade out at number 95. Um, you're right, Bryant. They're not very good against the pass, but they're actually uh, a little better against the pass than they are against the run. So they're number 74 against the pass um, and number 106 against the run currently. They are, however, a decent um, offensive team right now. And some of this is the course that they had to play Oklahoma. Um, but the model accounting for that, they've got about 44 on offense. You, the, you know, this game, I, 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 I like Houston to, to cover in this game. Like I like Washington state to win still. Um, but Houston, th- this feels like a game that they're able to get up for 
you know, as we saw, and as you and I saw in person last season, like if they've got a lot of talent, if they get amped up and, and, and are able to call a decent game and Dana Holgerson's a, a, a really bright offensive mind in his own right. You know, he's, he's had a little bit to, to break these guys in, you know, and that Oklahoma game was tough. He's going against Alex Grinch. So I don't know. I, I, I like, I, I'm going to go with the model on this one. I think, um, I think these teams are a little closer than, you know, Washington state's offense makes it appear. Okay. And Max Deer King obviously is just, uh, can be a real threat to Washington state's defense. I tend to be a little bit more optimistic on Washington state's defense than Rob is, but I have been told by both Rob and Hithliday, please stop doing that. <laughs> so, um, it is likely the case that they are not good. Uh, but what do you think about, uh, about the, the pirates chances going into Houston, by the way, this game isn't going to be like in the middle of butt hot in Houston. It'll be played at about six fifteen Pacific time. So like, four o'clock ish or five o'clock ish. Um, I forget what time zone Texas is in, but it's not in the middle of the afternoon where it's sweltering. So uh, what do you think about their chances? Well, I mean, Rob brought up Dana Holgerson. I mean, Holgerson was on Mike Leach's Texas tech staff. I mean, he, he worked under uh, Hal Mum. Uh, and so like these two coaches, they, they know their offense, each other's offensive systems inside and out. So I, yeah, Houston's secondary isn't great. But I feel like both of these defenses will actually be well prepped for what's to come, and so I'm I'm with Rob. I, I think I think I, I like the plus seven here, um, and then also just looking last week um, against Northern Colorado, Col- Northern Colorado they really shot themselves in the foot against Washington State's defense. I, I couldn't believe it when I read it. They had ten false starts against oh Washington state. <laughs> and so if you're with all those times that they keep on getting, you know, five yard infractions, it's obviously going to, it's going to make it much tougher to get first downs and to move the ball. And he, I mean, Houston obviously won't be getting, getting like that high amount of false starts. So, I mean, Derek King is good. Uh, they have a potent rushing attack. I'm not really sure how much I trust the aerial attack. I mean, King is good, but I still think that they're a stronger rushing team than they are passing team. Uh, and then Washington State's defense, they don't really get a lot of penetration. And so I, I just, I'm not, I don't think that I'll, we'll see a lot of like tackles for loss by the front seven in this game. So I think Houston will be able to move the ball, no problem. So I'll go, I'll go with seven here as well for Houston. Ugh, seven on the road. I'm going to take Washington State because I I'm going to try to stick with my guns. I I, I know I, it's my weakness is taking Washington State. Um, but l- let's see what the pirate can do out there. Northern in- Colorado ran for two sixteen on them last week. Northern Colorado. Oh, the Bears from Greeley. All right. No, no, no. You do it. You, it's too late. You're stuck. <laughs> I'm, I'm just. I'm just. Uh, oh my gosh. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna pay I'm gonna pay the piper this this coming week. I'll take Washington State. Let's see how they perform on the road. But I I'm that's gonna be one of the games that I'm gonna be fully focused on. So it'll be fun to break that down as we move into next week and do our next podcast. Let's move on to a really interesting game. So USC, a four point favorite on the road at BYU. Uh, BYU, by the way, beat Tennessee on the road. They beat them twenty nine twenty six, and uh but. This this matchup, like, it's really hard to 
to not see USC with like star glasses on right now because my goodness that offense was humming with uh with that new quarterback but Rob I'm just curious how did the numbers take in the offensive efficiency that we saw against Stanford like did did SC get a big boost and what do the numbers say about this matchup yeah, so the I mean, so the way the model works is it tries to find the best fit, um, so that fits all the data. And the best fit actually was that USC did they get they got a bit of a bump on on offense. So their offense right now grades out at number twenty one, um, and they're 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 mostly good at things that they were sort of bad at last year. I mean, they were still they're still reliant on explosive plays a bit more. Um, but something that they're they really improved on from last year is negative drives. So they're at number forty one there right now. Um, and that means that they're doing far less three and outs. They're not turning the ball over. Um, you know, those are positive things, but they're number nine in, in, in passing the football after that Stanford game. Um, so they, they've really, and I, I, I think that this BYU defense, they're going to, they could struggle. I mean, like this is, I mean, Tennessee's not a well-coached football team. Let's, let's get that out of the way. Like Tennessee lost to Georgia. Let's, Tennessee lost to Georgia state at home the week before. So <laughs> like <laughs> losing to BYU uh, while bad is not even Tennessee's worst loss this season so far. So I, I, I think that but the flip side of it though, is that this USC defense is, is they're okay. They're not great. They've got, they, they're really going to probably have to show out a little bit more in this game than they have uh, in other games. Cause the model mostly has decided thus far, if you look at sort of like how it's grading out BYU has decided that in fact, Tennessee is not a good football team. Uh, and it has also decided that Stanford, like the model has dropped the hammer on Stanford uh, for their play so far. Um, and they're all the way grading out at number 70 in the model so far this season. So um, USC did not get a ton of a boost out of that Stanford game. The model basically decided, like oh it just turns out stanford's not good at football anymore which we'll see like it's early so the model like there are big adjustments still to come but um the model likes usc more than that this this week though uh and i do too uh i like usc's talent against this byu team they've got an 81 percent win probability they favor they're favored by a little over eight and a half 8.61 i i like usc in this game be beware of the road favorites beware of the road favorites but um i tend to like usc too in this matchup but i want to hear what you have to say first max so when looking at that USC schedule before the season, this was the game that all USC fans circled because this was the biggest trap game spot because yeah. it was coming off the, the rivalry game against Stanford. And it's the week before USC's biggest game of the season hosting Utah. And so if BYU would have lost to Tennessee, I, I feel like you would have had to take Owen to BYU like that. That would have been the, one of the biggest automatic plays of all time. Um, I still have to trust the spot here. I, I it's just, I mean, the, the public is so high on USC after what they saw. I, I think BYU's slightly underrated, even though they are coming off that win against Tennessee, but they, no one really gave them a shot against Utah and they did hang around for the first half until turnovers ultimately cost them that game. Um, Zach Wilson definitely has the capability to take advantage of a USC secondary that can give up big plays. Uh, USC's defensive line is, is the strength of this defense. Uh, but I think BYU's offensive line is, is better than Stanford's. And then BYU was, was the best team in college football last year at limiting explosive plays. But the difference, I guess, between USC's offense 
this year and last when it, when it, it comes uh, to explosive plays is that with Daniels, like it was just like a lot of like deep shots, like down the field versus with Slovis. Um, it, Slovis has thrown a couple deep balls, but it's also like the intermediate pass game where, where we didn't really see that a lot with Daniels. Slovis has really thrived with some really strong throws and USC's receivers definitely have um, the capability to, you know, get gain a lot of yards after the catch too. So I, I want to pick USC, especially after how they performed against Stanford. But this, the fact that it's only four, this is an, an, an incredible trap spot. Um, I, I have to go BYU and oh. I, I have to listen to like all the lessons that I like I, I racked up as a gambler over the years. If this was five and a half or seven or seven and a half, yeah. Um, yeah. I would, I would be with you, Max, but four, Whew. I mean, I think I think SC could have not a great game here. Like you have Slovis having some, you know, he gets the jitters and isn't quite playing. And I just think I just think that SC can do enough to be able to um, to to win, even if they're not playing terribly. So I'll take USC begrudgingly. I'm not betting on this game at all. Um, I will just watch it for pure entertainment standpoint because uh, that is a tough place to play at BYU. And I'm really interested to see how Slovis is able to react to a hostile crowd after probably one of the best games. Like, I mean, can he do this over and over again? I doubt it. <laughs> but again, if he does 75% of that, I just think SC will be able to, to take care of business at BYU. But, um, and, and I do think this is a trap game. You're absolutely right on that. I just think after like you have this new quarterback, there's a jolt of energy. I think that changes the dynamic just a little bit, but I could be totally wrong next week, but uh, give me USC. Let's give our friends at Utah a little bit of love here. They, they're playing Idaho state. Who cares? But Utah did play pretty well against NIU. Um, again, we forgot the fact that Ross Bowers was the quarterback there and he looked pretty good uh, in the first half. And I was like, Ooh, Ooh, he could cause some problems here. Uh, but at the end of the day, Utah's defense really pulled away. They held NIU to 67 yards rushing and allowed zero sacks and and Huntley again, 14 for 19, but Rob, 11.3 yards per pass and one touchdown. So it wasn't all checkdowns this time. No, and I mean, I think it's, um, just to kind of flip it for like BYU, I think that people are giving BYU a little bit too much credit for that, that Utah game because Utah really didn't open up the playbook um, much against BYU. And Andy Ludwig is uh, the, the they're, Utah's living up to what we expected on offense. They grid out at number 34 currently. They are, this is a vintage Andy Ludwig offense. They're 124 in drive efficiency and 26 on explosive plays. <laughs> so, <laughs> or explosive so drive. Good. So like this Utah team, like they're 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 there to put up big chunk plays or or nothing else. But the, you know they they didn't open it up uh, against against BYU because I guess they, I mean really they didn't feel like they had to. Um, and I think that this. Uh, I, I think that they did have a, a very good game and Huntley had a very good game against uh, Northern Illinois. Who's got a solid schemed out defense. They lost some, you know, they lost something off of it, but um, it's still, it was still a well-coached defense that they, they had to face. And um, I think for Utah, like this is, this is all for the good. Like they, they get another, you know, they get a glorified scrimmage, you know, before they get USC, um, you know, they really get to, to try to, get confidence in, in what they're doing with Andy Ludwig's system before uh, what's going to be probably their biggest game of the season. All right. Uh, Max, no line on this game, but any any comments on Utah's performance against NIU? 
Well, uh, I mean, I get, so NIU did move the ball, but Utah had injuries. Lucky Fotu, um, yeah. they, uh, their, their, their safety. Um, I'm totally just about Jalen Blackman. Like he, he was hurt for a bit. He actually had a really strong game though. Um, but no, I, I was just surprised that the same Ross Bowers that we saw at Cal was, it was able to do it, but maybe that's more of an indictment on uh, Cal's offensive coaching staff there. Um, I just thought it was amazing that Bowers had the same airborne touchdown that we, I, I forgot who he did it with when he was against Cal, but he <laughs> yeah. did it again against Utah in, in that game. Um, but I mean, I, I'm still a huge Zach Moss fan. Uh, I, I still think Utah's offensive line could use some work, but they, they, they have an incredible defense. They have the pieces on offense. I'm, I'm, I'm just really, really excited for Utah at USC next week. Like that, that is for all the marbles in the South. Okay. Let's go back to Seattle here. Saturday, 7.30 p.m. Hawaii is a 22-and-a-half favorite over Washington um, on the road at Seattle. And 22-and-a-half, uh, a lot of points for an offense that can move. And a little bit of questions here on Washington's defense, although they did really clamp down on that passing game. That said, you know, it wasn't like uh, it wasn't like they were just throwing the ball and slinging the ball around in that game in terms of uh, the play calling from Justin Wilcox. And uh, oh my gosh, I've wiped a uh, Bo Baldwin. I almost wiped his name out of my memory here, <laughs> but he's still there. Um, Rob, what do the numbers say about this? Because 20, I, I wanted to take Washington as, and just like coming back and just stomping and just making it kind of like what we saw with Oregon. But it's, it's not like uh, Hawaii can't get get points here. Here's the trouble with what we think about Hawaii's offense. So do you want to know where Arizona's defense currently grades out? Brian, you might know because you follow yeah, on yeah. Twitter. It's they're currently 116. Do you know where Oregon state's defense grades out in beta rank? Ooh. They're at one thirty out of one thirty. So Hawaii has gotten a lot of easy points against some of the very worst defenses who are both Pac-12 defenses. <laughs> so, um, but two of the very worst defenses in college football. Um, Washington, even though Cal, you know, put together some long drives and I, I think did better than expected maybe in that game, um, you know, this is Washington's got a far, far better defense than um you know, Oregon state and Arizona, uh, and their offense is, is, is also pretty good. You know, they're, and I, the, the model has, I mean, it's a 99% win probability. I, I don't give anyone a hundred percent, but it is uh they've got Washington as a 26.33 favorite. Like I'm, I'm taking, I'm taking the Huskies here. I think they come out pissed. Um, I think they show, uh, I think they show that they, especially on defense after giving up those long drives um, to Cal, cause it turned out that Cal didn't even put up direct points off turnovers. It was, it was long drives. I, so I think that unit comes out with something to prove, um, particularly against, uh, you know, I think their coaches are going to drill into them that Hawaii is two and zero against the PAC 12 currently. Okay. I- I'm with you. I'm with you on that. You've, you've convinced me. And I think Eason's going to light up that secondary for, yeah. uh, for Washington. I mean, like he did against Eastern Washington, obviously you have lesser talent, but it's not like the secondary of that Hawaii team is, is probably all that much better than what we see at Eastern Washington. Um, I'm curious, Max, are you going to take uh, the heavy favorite here? What do you think? As much as I'm afraid of a Cole McDonald backdoor cover late in the game, no, I'm with you guys. Like, I mean, like, like like Rob brought up the point that I, that I was going to, but except far more eloquently because he has the the metrics to back it up. Like Oregon State and Arizona, Hawaii could not have asked for two better defenses to face on the island 
Um, I mean, it's their first road game of the year. It's in Seattle. It's with an angry Huskies team that just lost their Pac-12 debut. I mean, they're going to be uh, they're going to be hearing that oh, Hawaii's two and zero against the Pac-12, and Washington's zero and one. Like, you're going to see a very angry Washington team. Uh, Hawaii can't really like like every facet about their defense is bad. Like, they're not going to pressure Eason. Um, they can't stop the run, even though Washington's rushing offense, I, I feel has been a slight disappointment this year. Like I know Newton had a really strong first game, but I, I was expecting a lot more from, uh, Savan Ahmed to start, but Washington's receivers, even though they, they had a bad case of the drop seeds against Cal, like they, they still have so many more playmakers than they did last season. Just with Chico McClatcher healthy and, and Hunter Bryant healthy. Um, I, I just, I, I think Washington rolls. It's like, like what I was thinking with like Oregon, Nevada, it's like, you're getting an angry pac 12 team against, uh, a, um, a team coming in that maybe was lucky to win its last game. Like I actually thought Oregon state could have very well won that. Yeah. And I, I just don't think Hawaii is as good as their two and a record says, just because they got to host two pac 12 teams with the worst defenses in the conference on the Island. Okay. All right. Let's move over to the opposite side of the country. We're moving to Florida where Stanford is a seven and a half point dog on the road at central Florida. Stanford, obviously coming off of the loss to USC, which we've talked about. Um, I'm curious, Rob, what your numbers for this game is because yet Scott for us is central Florida. They won two national championships. Of course, can't, cannot not say that. Um, but then you had Mackenzie Milton get injured and the quarterback, it's kind of up in the area. Brandon Wimbush, you have a couple other players that were in the mix at the beginning of the year. Um, so this is less certain of a team as I had anticipated going into this game. But, um, but man, I just do not trust Stanford and I don't know if a bounce back game is in the cards against the team all the way across the country on the road so ucf uh has been climbing the model they're all the way up to 33 um project the projection model which everybody is still carrying around a little bit of weight from or most a lot of weight from uh this week tends to underrate a lot of group of five teams because their recruiting isn't uh nearly as good as the power five teams but they're number 33 in the model stanford's at 70 you know <laughs> the, the model does not think northwestern has, has played particularly well uh they think usc's okay it's got them at 37 but it's got ucf um as an 8.6 uh one favorite and a point favorite and i i i, I like the Knights here in this game. I, I think Stanford's reeling a bit. Um, and UCF is going to, they're going to move the ball. I mean, they, they, they have a fun, you know, well-coached offense and Winbush is a good quarterback. How's that defense though? Like uh, I'm curious what their run defense and their pass defense is. Uh, they actually, oh, well, I was going to say, so I, I made the unfortunate mistake of not only betting on FAU uh, this Ooh. past Saturday, I doubled down and bet on them live. And UCF just absolutely ran train on them. And the, the thing I was actually most impressed with or surprisingly like most impressed with is that their defense like shut down FAU. Like they, they just, FAU had a lot of trouble um, trying to, you know, generate big drives. And, and I just thought this was FAU's biggest home game of the season. Lane, Lane Kiffin, obviously, um, I, I thought he would have dialed up some good plays. Um, and then I thought that this was a potential look ahead spot for UCF because I mean, Stanford, this, this is, their, their, this is like, they get a legitimate, like power five team that they're hosting at their own stadium. They hosted Pitt last year, but I just feel like Stanford with their reputation and being one of the uh, better programs in all of college football this past decade, like this is a huge deal for them. So I thought that FAU had a nice spot, but UCF just destroyed them. 
and their their rushing attack is really strong. Uh, their quarterback situation is interesting because Wimbush started week one, but he wasn't that great against Florida A and M. So they actually went with a freshman last week, uh, Dylan Gabriel, and he completed. This is actually one of the more bizarre stat lines I've, I've seen. He completed seven of nineteen throws, but the seven completions went for two hundred forty-five yards. <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> That's really nuts. <laughs> So the models got their offense at number 20 um, and they do rely more on the run. So they grade out at number 15 um, an effective rush and 44 an effective pass the defense, Brian, um, and you know, my model does not overrate power five teams uh, has them at number 38 okay. on defense. Um, so this is, this is going to be, we, we said it was going to be a tough matchup from the beginning for Stanford. Um, and I certainly thought Stanford was going to be a better football team than what we've seen. How are they against the pass though? Do you have those split out by chance? Yeah. So they graded, but it's about even they're number 42 against the run number 38 against the pass. Okay. Yeah, and I guess I guess the line we were having trouble finding the line, but that's probably because we're not sure if KJ Costello. I was trying to figure out if Mackenzie Milton was coming back, and obviously it's because uh, we're not certain if Costello is going to come back. I would assume he plays in this game, but I don't know if it's going to make a difference. All right, I'll, I'll take Central Florida. Um, I'm not a big fan of Stanford. I haven't been a big fan of Stanford, and I'll stick with that until I am proven otherwise. So, Max, are you going to take uh, going to take the? Oh, I'm sorry. Did I say take Stanford? I'm going to take um, Central Florida um, because I do not trust Stanford. Max, are you jumping on? Uh, uh, Central Florida here. Are you gonna are you gonna roll with the the dog? I'm gonna have to do some more research on this game. I think, even though I, I did watch the UCF game pretty much the entire game last, and I, and I did come away impressed. But UCF, I, I mean, I kind of have to take it with a grain of salt. Like, yes, they had an impressive defensive performance against FAU, but I mean, their first game was against Florida A and M, and as inconsistent as Stanford's offense looked, I mean, they've only had one half of KJ Costello, and, and Shaw said after the USC game that he expects Costello to play. And then regarding UCF defense, I mean, they lost uh, a star cornerback for the season. Uh, they have like, uh, they have really strong running backs, but I, I think Stanford's run defense has been much better than their past defense this year, which is kind of, like, well, at least it was against USC, which is ironic because they have Paul in the Debo, but they, they did a nice job against USC's rushing attack. And the USC has some talent with, with those running backs. And then, um, at, I mean, the spot for Stanford is brutal. Like you're, you're flying across the country. You're coming off an embarrassing loss to your rival. Your next game is at, it's at Oregon like this. And, and it's a UCF sandwich, but Oh, seven and a half is a lot, but is, I, yeah. mm, mm, I don't know. Like I I'd have to see if Costello plays because I, I really Mills Mills was highly touted coming out of high school, but I, I just, uh, when I watched him play, I thought he was a clear downgrade from Costello. Like he didn't stretch the field nearly as much as, as KJ did. Hmm. I'll, 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 I'll side with the model. I'll, I'll go with UCF, but I, I, I might change my pick midweek. Okay. That's fair. And again, the line's going to bounce up and down and all that stuff too. Um, we have a couple really interesting games that we saved for the, the last segment. Let's get to them right after this. All right. All right. We are back. Saturday, five o'clock PM on Fox. UCLA, a twenty-one and a half point home dog at the Rose Bowl against Oklahoma. And my goodness, Oklahoma looks quite 
quite good with a with a revamped defense as well with alex grinch taking over and relieving uh the stoops era of its final (laughs) final moment in norman and ucla is not looking great we've already talked about them and uh, lincoln riley man has jalen hurst just on fire here's a stat line against Houston, 20 for 23, 332 yards, three touchdowns, plus 176 yards on the ground and three additional touchdowns. So, like, my goodness, I know UCLA has a good rush defense, but it seems like Lincoln Riley has a lot of tricks up his sleeve and a really good quarterback, Rob. What do the numbers say here? I bet you it's kind of weird because, like you mentioned, the model with high spreads right now, you know, it's still kind of sifting through the data, but I'm just still curious. No, and it is UCLA has been doing nothing but fall since the season opened. Um, so they're at number 73 right now, and they're still carrying around a lot of that projection, which had them at 50. Uh, and that was mostly based on recruiting. And Oklahoma's at 11. You know, it's got Oklahoma as only a 17 point favorite in this game. But no, I, I, I think Oklahoma just boat races them. The only thing UCLA is good at right now is stopping runs up the middle. And I, I think Oklahoma is smart enough to not do that until they have softened up the defense basically everywhere else. Yeah, my goodness. Like, this could be real, real bad. Uh, the over-under on the number of fans that are at this game, I'll go, I bet you it's higher because people are just curious to see Oklahoma. Uh, but, oh, my goodness, the rains of booze could be coming down. Um, I'm going to take Oklahoma. I think they just wax this UCLA team. I don't think UCLA can score. I'm not a big fan of Oklahoma's defense yet, but I do trust Alex Grinch over time. Um, and uh, I'll, I'll, I'll give up the points and take Oklahoma. What do you think, Max? Oh, I, I, I really wanted to take UCLA because it, it just seems everyone is going to bet Oklahoma this game. Like there, there's absolutely no reason to bet <laughs> UCLA unless you're not watching college football and you're saying, Oh, it's a chip Kelly team getting 21 and a half points. What are they doing here? But UCLA has just been a colossal disappointment on offense. Like what I was, I was saying earlier in the pod and, and Rob's uh, numbers backed it up that UCLA is one of the least explosive offenses in the country. There are only two teams that have fewer 10-yard gains and 20-yard gains on offense that have played two games in all of college football this season. That is pathetic. And Oklahoma, they have the most 10-yard gains, 20-yard gains, 30-yard gains, and 40-yard gains in all of college football. Like Lincoln Riley, he is what Chip Kelly was a decade ago. Like He's the hot commodity. Just all, all this... Uh, all this offensive hoopla, like like his play calls are amazing. UCLA is not going to be able to rush Jalen Hurts. Like he's going to have all day and, and they're not going to run up the middle. Like, like they, they're just going to rush it like all over the place. Oh, I, I really wanted to take UCLA here, but I, I and um, with the crowd, like they, it was their lowest uh, attendance in 25 years last game. So th- there is basically no home field advantage um, anymore there. So, I'll, I'll, I'll go Oklahoma as well. I don't like it because I feel like that this is such an obvious play and that everyone else is probably going to say the same thing, but there's just not, I, I just, maybe if Darnay Holmes comes back, that'll help because the secondary has been a nightmare, but I, and yeah, I, I just, I can't do it with UCLA. I can't do it. Okay. So, one other thing. So Alex, I was going to say Alex Grinch, their Oklahoma's new defensive coordinator. He never faced uh, Chip Kelly at UCLA uh, just because he was at Ohio State last year in, in Kelly's first season, but they were actually on the same staff back in the New Hampshire days when Kelly's offense like first was starting to gain notoriety. So I, I just think that's another interesting wrinkle too that that Grinch is like somewhat familiar with Kelly's offensive tactics. 
Okay. Yeah, that's fair. That'll be interesting. Um, and my goodness, there's going to be a lot of eyeballs on this game, probably for the first quarter. <laughs> and then they're going to flip over to another network game. Um, let's move Saturday, 745 on the Pac-12 network. I just want to pay homage to Oregon versus uh, Montana. Um, Oregon just destroyed Nevada. Like it was inappropriate what they did to that Nevada defense. And Rob, this was a, a spot that you and I had identified earlier in the, the off season as a possible hiccup game for Oregon. And boy, howdy, did they not, <laughs> did they not live up to that? They really took care of business. And just to, just to highlight, like there has been a lot of hate on Justin Herbert, um, in the last year. And then even, even into this, this coming game, it was interesting. People were saying that Herbert wasn't good in that Auburn game. I thought he was solid. Like I thought he, he yeah. really played well accurate he he was throwing the ball on a frozen rope a number of times like he was hitting out routes and stuff and he had himself another good game he didn't start great but at the end of the day 19 for 26 310 yards five touchdowns against a defense that could be confusing rob yeah i mean i'm sorry but if you if anybody came away and there were some national football commentators who came away saying that herbert didn't have a good game against auburn like that's idiotic like he had a a, a patchwork group of wide receivers that weren't creating separation all night going against that Auburn defensive line without a reliable running game that he could necessarily depend on. And he had himself a game. I mean, and, and, and the main complaint we've had about Herbert is that he he's a little inaccurate and he was, he was pretty accurate in that Auburn game. He was really accurate against Nevada and they came out angry and it's something that Oregon struggled against. And it was something that was sort of a harbinger of where this team was going to finish out last season that they didn't play as well against some of their non-conference competition as an elite team would have. Uh, And that's, they clearly came out and showed that that was not the case against this Nevada team. Now Nevada is not a very good team. It turns out. um, And they really needed those five turnovers that Purdue gifted them but uh yeah like this this oregon team you know like we're gonna we're gonna get a good it's nice because we have a good run up to that before they get to face washington we're gonna have them against stanford and and colorado and cal uh and we'll have a real good sense of where they are because washington still grades out pretty well in the model but the model really likes this or this oregon offense it's got them at 10 right now so okay uh don't don't say i mean oregon's one knock right now and hippo they can argue with me about this is the uh the Oregon special teams. Um, but the model, it, it takes a little while longer for special teams to settle down in the model. So we'll see where they shake out. Okay. And Max, I'll bring you in on the next one where it's, uh, you know, there isn't a line, but we are running up on an hour and a half. So I want to make sure to get to some of the bigger games here. Uh, Saturday, 10 a.m. on the Pac 12 Network, Colorado, three and a half point favorite on the road at Air Force. And I kind of like this game. Uh, I, we've already talked about Colorado and Nebraska. They did a great job um, coming back in that second half. And and uh, and Rob, what do your numbers say on Air Force? Uh, it seems like their secondary is a total mess. And Steven Montez in that wide receiving core like makes me quite, quite interested in that three and a half. But I'm wondering if your numbers back that up. So Air Force is at number 97 on defense right now. They're at number 95 against the pass. So going against teams that can throw the ball, uh, not probably what Air Force wants to do. They've got... Uh, Colorado's a, five, a little over five, five point one seven point favorite in this game. Yeah, I mean they're not a, I mean they're not an overwhelming favorite in the model. They've got a sixty six percent win probability, uh, but you like Colorado here in the model. Like the model has been dropping Nebraska since uh, since the season opened, but. Yeah, Colorado should absolutely take care of business against this Air Force team. And you you almost hit a point where 
you know, if the line gets any lower, you might as well take Air Force to win the game too outright. You know, like they're, I like Colorado with that line. Yeah, obviously Air Force with the run heavy offense, like as as we know. Uh, I just want to highlight, like Tony Brown looked great. Katie Nixon looked like the real deal. You know, that wide receiving core that we had heard about last year, um, aside from LaVisca Chenault, seems to be coming into their own. So I feel yeah. like there are there is not a scenario where um, Colorado doesn't put up points in this game. But I just don't know about their run defense yet. And I don't know if the data is there on that yet. Do you have anything on their run D, uh, Colorado's? Well, their defense is not good, um, and they've they've really struggled. And let me uh, shoot. Let me get to the run split. Yeah, because while he looks at that, Max, I do feel like it could be a letdown game to some extent. But I, I just feel like the talent disparity is probably in, like it's not like Mel Tucker hasn't seen a triple option <laughs> you know, before in his life. Uh, what do you think? Well, it's interesting. So I was just curious to see when the last time Colorado and Air Force played, because obviously they're 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 in the same state. This is the first time they've played in forty five years. Oh, because whoa. they suspended the they suspended the rivalry because um, Colorado uh, students were egging um, uh, Air Force players and and, um, and soldiers from the stands like d- during Vietnam like to oppose um, you know like their, their feelings about Vietnam. And so I thought that was actually very fascinating. Like I, I didn't understand the historical um, in, or in potential impact of this game. Not that, that that's going to sway me one way or the other. Um, <laughs> and then just doing some more research on, on, on Air Force, they went five and seven last year, but all seven losses were by 10 or fewer points, which I thought was interesting. And then also, I mean, the fact that this game opened at one and a half kind of tells you what the odds makers think of Colorado, that, that they're not legit that their defense is a mess. Um, obviously air force, like, like they, they're, they're not an explosive offense. I mean, they're a triple op- option team, but they still succeed in running the ball. And this is going to be a very low, like both teams are not going to get a lot of possessions in this game. And will Colorado go back to its run first ways after how the passing attack shredded Nebraska and with air forces lacking secondary, I would hope so, but I'm not really sure with Jay Johnson. Um, I think this is kind of a trap game for Colorado. Yeah, honestly, yeah. I mean, air force is coming off of air force is coming off a of buy. There's this, there's uh, first time in 45 years that, that they're playing um, supposedly the best college football team in their state. Like, I think this game actually means quite a bit to Air Force. And asking to prepare for a triple option one week after having to deal with a Scott Frost offense, like, that, that's, a, that's a lot to prep for for a Colorado defense that's been a massive disappointment. So this is going to be an unpopular opinion or side, I think, but I'll go with the Falcons here. Ooh, free ball and pod. They're going to be all over you on that, but that's okay. That's okay. You speak the truth here at 12 Pack Radio. Who do you, what do you, what do you think here, Rob? Colorado, but Colorado split. I mean, if there's one, th- I mean, their and their defense has been bad as they are way worse against the pass. They are at one of seven against the pass and number 69 against the rush. So, um, 69 is not very good. Let's not kid ourselves. <laughs> the air force grades out at number 14 in effective rush. But, um, I, I like I like Colorado to, to to hold down the fort here and uh, to get through this game. I mean, it's at home. I, I, you're right, though. I mean, preparing for a triple option team is is a real difficult ask. Um, I just don't know that I don't know that Air Force has the horses to stay with uh, stay with Colorado and, and a competent quarterback like Montez. Yeah, like to that point, Rob. I mean, Mustafa Johnson three sacks in the last game. He really was able to disrupt things. I think some of their linebackers are pretty good, but. Uh, 
<laughs> preparing for that max i, I don't know I, I i like what you're saying this definitely could be a trap game but i don't know if the yeah. talent disparity is that i just think it's going to be too big but what, what do you think well i was going to say the play that i would recommend and it's a it's a play i did with a different game so i actually bet Tulane first half against auburn this past weekend, just because it was the Tulane option off. Well, I mean, they have uh, some option elements with Willie Fritz um, and then also zone Reed, but, and then Auburn was coming off that emotional win over Oregon. And even though it was Auburn's home opener, I was like, well, this is a tough offense to prepare for. It wouldn't surprise me if they struggled defending it out of the gate and they're coming off such an emotional win that, that, that it could be tough to get up for, for an inferior opponent. And I feel like that would could probably be the case. Um, so I, I think Air Force money line first half could could have some value, um, especially if Colorado just tries to establish the run at the beginning of the game, like what what, what they've done, what they've been doing so far this season. Like I, I think Air Force first, first half would be my favorite play for this game. Ooh, that's a good call. That's a good call. Okay, let's move on to Saturday, one fifteen p.m. Cal is a fourteen point favorite at home against North Texas. And again, Rob, I think this is where we're going to need your numbers because I've done some research on North Texas. Obviously Seth Latrell has had some offers in the big 12. Uh, I don't know if their quarterback's name is Mason Feeney, a Feeney or fine. I hope it's Mason uh, fine. Uh, Mason, Mason fine. <laughs> That's a great name. Uh, he's good. He's good. 64% completion rate, 27 touchdowns, five interceptions last year. And he's doing the same right now. 65% completion rate, already 550 yards uh, in his first two games. But again, they were against Abilene Christian and Southern Methodist. So curious what your numbers say about this North Texas team. So it's got uh beta ranks got Cal at number 43. Currently it's got North Texas at number 53. Um, Cal is just a very slight favorite in this game. Three points, just a little over three points, 3.11 North Texas on offense. They have a good offense ish for a group of five team. They're number 52. Of course, they're going to run into the buzzsaw that is Cal, but they're more balanced than I think people give uh, might assume, given that they're sort of an air raid based team. They're at number 47 um, at uh, rushing the ball, number 62 passing the ball. Their defense is not particularly good. They're at number they're at number 101. Oh, my. Um, yeah. Yeah. But they're they're a pretty good special teams team. Um, let me pull out their special teams number and that, that, that can matter, uh, in particularly games where you have, when you're playing against Cal (laughs) (laughs) and, uh, yeah, so their special teams are number six right now in the country. Um, like I said, like that number, that number tends to settle down a bit more, uh, as the season goes on. Um, but they, you know, they, Cal's a team that if you can, if you can flip field position on at all, um, their offense can start. I mean, they did, they did move the ball pretty effectively against that Washington team. I don't know. I mean, like set, like, what is it? 14 points. That just, that feels like a lot. It yeah. feels like almost a, like for, a, for this Cal team that I'm not sure I fully trust yet. Well, that plus the fact that your numbers, um, have it closer. I'm going to take, I'll take the points. Um, and I'll take North Texas, but Max, you seemed, you seemed all up on Mason fine. So <laughs> what do you think? Well, it's just I, I feel like Cal is the poster child for this year's conference of underdogs. I, I, in most Cal games this year, I feel like I'm going to be taking the points here just because this is a really strong defense. I'm not sure how much I trust the offense, even though they do look improved from last season. But especially in a Cal game where it's a double-digit favorite or double-digit underdog, 
I, I have to take the points here because it's going to, it's going to be another low scoring game. Um, and Mason finds South Latrell, like, like they've had experience facing power five competition before Cal's coming off another like uh, emotional win, uh, against Washington. Um, so I, I like the spot there. I'm actually just, I just want to see quickly how Cal fared the week after they upset Washington last year. Yeah. So they actually, no, it was kind of, they probably covered. So after they beat Washington, they lost 19 to 13 in Pullman. So that's like, that's like oh, not bad, Yeah. but maybe, I mean, obviously they had to get up for that game because Washington state was the highest ranked Pac 12 team at that time, but maybe facing a team like North Texas, I mean, after um, going one, uh, one and no start in the Pac 12, maybe there could be a slip up or two there. And I just feel like with, with like this type of game, like, and their opener against UC Dave, like all you need is like one giant mistake and it makes it really tough for Cal to cover. Like they, they fumbled the opening kickoff and then after like, uh, it was, it was just really hard for them to cover UC Dave, just because the offense, it, it's not that great. So it's just like one fluky play, especially with North, with Rob telling me that North Texas has really strong special teams, which is absolutely an important factor for capping this game. Like I feel like Mean Green at plus fourteen. I, I I really like that side. All right, two more here. Saturday, September fourteenth at seven thirty p.m. Arizona is a four point underdog at home against Texas Tech, and uh, so Arizona played Northern Arizona, and uh, and points were scored <laughs> more than a hundred. Six uh, Arizona scored sixty five. NAU scored forty one. The forty one points a little bit misleading because Arizona was throwing in a lot of different types of schemes and looks and players uh, like we had an offensive lineman playing tight end like it was it was kind of a funky game but still 41 points uh, were surrendered by Arizona's defense against a, a not good NAU team uh, Khalil Tate 14 for 17 he had two touchdowns Grant Gannell 9 for 11 he looked really good 151 yards three touchdowns no picks from either quarterback um, but at the end of the day it looks like Arizona's going to score points but um, Texas Tech is under the new leadership of Matt Wells who was the former uh, coach at Utah State and a name that was floated around to be Arizona's head coach when they were looking after they fired Rich Rodriguez. And Rob, um, you follow Arizona football. What say you? I'm surprised that the line is that low. <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> I mean, to be frank, like, sure, Arizona's at home, but I mean, Arizona, I mean, you could argue, and I'm going to talk, I mean, after this week, I will be tossing out all of the FCS games that anyone has played out of the model. But I, I, I mean, I, I deprecate, you know, I mean, there's, I, I wait drives by the score and the, you know, by the score in the game. Um, so that, you know, if, I mean, it was a blowout early on cause Arizona's offense was rolling, but it's not like even in the first half that NIU, NAU wasn't putting up some yards against Arizona's defense and then Arizona's defense eventually was able to clamp down. But I, 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 the model has it as, as a almost eight points for Texas tech, 7.78. Arizona's offense is actually grading out pretty well right now, number 28. Um, but that defense is number 116. I mean, the special teams, I think, are at 128. Texas Tech is at number 44 in the model. Um, they played They played pretty well. I just, I don't know. I, 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 at this point, I, I feel like Arizona's defense has taken more than two steps backwards. And I, 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 I don't think you can place any faith in them. Yeah. And we'll talk about this a lot on wildcat radio. I think the one thing on my end that stands out is normally, you know, it's a home dog 
uh, I like that in a shootout, you know, give me the points. But uh, Arizona's offense tends to peter out. Uh, you know, there's going to be big plays, and then there's going to be times where Texas Tech is able to put the the stop to Arizona's offense just because Khalil Tate isn't super accurate, or he's gonna he's gonna miss just easy throws, or or just miss a read, and it's going to be three and out a couple of times. And Arizona's uh, defense is going to give up a ton of points. And one of the things, you know, this isn't the full on air raid that that you know you expect under Cliff Kingsbury, but one of the things that Matt Wells does well is he has a balanced offense and he likes to throw into the intermediate area and i do not trust arizona's intermediate defense farther than i can throw them i don't know if the their um, linebackers are great in coverage i don't think their secondary is great in coverage and i can just see a scenario where texas tech drives and drives and drives and drives and is able just to beat arizona in a stadium that will likely be half filled but max uh now we're too biased you know we're, we're both we'll, we'll we both follow arizona pretty quickly i'm curious from an outside perspective what you think I don't know. This, I, there have been a lot of interesting lines this week. Like, like Vegas is like make like it just feels like a landmine of traps yes. this week in the Pac-12 <laughs> game. And, and this yeah. and this is another one I would say. Um, I'm not really sure what to make of Texas Tech. Yes, yet yes, they're two and zero. But I mean, Rob would have better numbers than I would here. But I mean, Alan Bowman's averaging seven point one yards per attempt, and I feel like compared to under Cliff Kingsbury, that that's got to be lower than what it was last year with Cliff. Um, so I feel like the offense isn't as explosive, but then again, you're facing an Arizona defense, which, which is the king of allowing explosive um, plays. So, I mean, on paper, like, like, yes, this definitely screams Texas tech. And I just feel like I'm frustrated with Arizona's coaching, even with Khalil Tate, with some of the decisions that he makes and, Arizona, like, like it's just a very boomer bust offense and, and they're not very consistent, but I, I guess that that wasn't the case. I mean, I, I didn't watch any of the Arizona of Arizona's game last uh, this past weekend. And maybe you guys could tell me if like, if there were any like adjustments made on offense, like if they, if they ran the ball more, if they were going for safer throws instead of just chucking it 30, 40 yards downfield every <laughs> other pass, like, st- like stuff like that. I, I don't think there's much you could take from that game. And Rob, you can, you can jump in here too. It just seemed like NAU was so bad. Like it was big play after big play after big play, but some of those big plays were on the ground and some of them were through the air. And um, I just, yeah. from the offensive side, I didn't take much away from that. What do you think? No, and I think some of where Arizona's landing, though, is also because they they and Oregon State have both played Hawaii. And so Arizona's getting graded out against how they did against Hawaii versus how Oregon State did, and then also how Oregon State did against Oklahoma State. Like, the the model is sort of like a web, right? Like, when we're just building out all the threads that connect teams together. I, I mean, Arizona's offense, like... Yeah, they they were they were they had some inefficiencies in that Hawaii game, but they were mostly able to put up points. And people for uh, Arizona rarely forced Hawaii into punting the ball. I mean, they had a long field every time, and that that will come back to haunt you, even if against a bad defense like Hawaii. Um, so I I don't know. I mean, the the, the uh, they definitely had. I wouldn't take too much away from that Northern Arizona game and the backup QB uh, Grant Gannell came in and had a hyper efficient game <laughs> um, in there and they, and they ran <laughs> the ball really well uh, as well. So there's, there's some things that you don't, I mean, Khalil Tate, you know, can get for like he throws too many deep balls, that kind of thing. That's still going to be true. I think that they're, I, I think that, I think Arizona's offense is, is good enough to, to make this a game. I do think, however, it's the question that, 
uh, I mean, I had it with Arizona, you know, for the last couple of years, which is if the defense is, is giving up points every time, um, does Arizona have a good enough offense to keep pace? And the answer's usually been no. And that's what I sort of uh, I look at here. Like, I mean, you got to be salivating to play Arizona's defense because they, they really did struggle for a lot of the same reasons against uh, Northern Arizona as they did against Hawaii. I, I don't know. I, I just feel like maybe Texas is beat or uh, I don't, I feel like the line's a little uh, inflated in favor of Texas tech. I mean, the, the red Raiders, like they last year, even under cliff, they, they, um, they destroyed Lamar 77, nothing um, in, in like their cupcake non-conference game. And I feel like this could be a similar case of padding their stats. Cause I think currently they're, they're top 10 in yards per play allowed on defense just because they played two lackluster opponents. But I don't, I don't know how much I'm buying on, on this drastic improvement from Texas Tech's defense. And oh, it, it, I really do not like butt backing Kevin Sumlin and Marcel Yates, but I feel like I'm going to have to go with the home dog here. Okay. All right. Well, we'll take a look. I mean, it'd be a big win for Arizona. Um, I mean, if you were to tell most Arizona fans, would you take two and one coming out of non-conference? They would say yes and just assume that that was Hawaii and NAU, but um, that would be a good win for them at home. So we'll keep a look at that. Last game of the night. We don't really need to break this down, but I wanted to give you, Max, a chance to talk about this. So Saturday, one fifteen, Oregon State versus Cal Poly. And Max, uh, Oregon State had a an interesting call <laughs> late in the game, if you would like to talk about it. Oh man. Well, so, uh, I was, I was one of those Pac-12 degenerates that had two screens on at three in the morning, Oregon state, Hawaii on Facebook and Cal Washington on Fox sports one. And, and it was beautiful. I, I Larry Scott, don't fool around with this 9am time slot. Go with the 3am time slot. Much, much better in my opinion. <laughs> um, so it was a tie game. Uh, it was like six minutes left in the fourth. And Oregon State had, it was like fourth and six from like their own, like 34, 35. And Jonathan Smith just unveiled this horrendous fake punt. <laughs> and it, it just didn't even come close. And then so Hawaii got the ball um, on uh, on the plus side of the field. And give credit to Oregon State's defense because they only allowed a field goal there. So the Beavers still covered. But, ooh, just not 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 the best time to whip, to whip out uh, an unfortunate fake punt attempt. <laughs> well, Oregon State should take care of business against Cal Poly. If you're in a Pac-12 eliminator pool, this is—I'm assuming everybody's going to submit Oregon State uh, this this coming week. I will certainly be taking them, and uh, hopefully they're able to take care of business at home, um, guys. This has been a long podcast. I know we're, we're going to tight. We try to keep these as tight as we can, but there's just so many games, and they will lessen over time as we get into conference play. But um, Max, thank you again for coming on. Where can people find you? Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at the Max Meyer, M-E-Y-E-R on Twitter. Or if you go to SI.com slash gambling, uh, you can see all of my best bet picks there, um, for college football last week, four and three. So I am now up to eight and five on the season, small sample size, but I'll take the nice start. Well, you have a good track record too. So I would say this is the beginning of, of the ride, <laughs> the beginning of, uh, the max train plowing through town. Um, and then Rob, where can people find you and where can people find your advanced stats? Uh, I'm at beta rank FB, uh, at, on Twitter. And then you can find all the stuff at uh, sharpcollegefootball.com. Um, and we've got a lot of interesting tools that you can slice and dice, uh, all the data that we've got available. Yeah. Check it out guys. Thank you so much for coming on and we'll catch you next week.